You are tampering with forces you can't understand. We have major corporations sponsoring this event. You are tuned in to the Fantasy Wire HQ Quick Cast. Today's show is brought to you by Full Time Fantasy, home of the Fantasy Football World Championships. We're also a proud member of the Full Time Fantasy Network. Check them out online at fulltimefantasy.com. All right, welcome to the show today. We've got a good one. I'm Frank B. in the Fantasy Wire HQ Studios. Thanks for jumping on. You can find me on Twitter. Shoot me a follow at Fantasy Wire HQ. Bookmark the website, fantasywirehq.com. If you want to subscribe to the pod, that would be cool. QuickCast is designed to get you everything you need in under 30 minutes. It's a no-edit freestyle podcast I put out there each week, just like we're hanging out talking football at the bar. It's week seven of the NFL season. We're going to move through the week's Game skid action. We'll look at some of the uh, tough to decide on fantasy players, some of the flex plays, some of the players generating a lot of buzz on Twitter, and so on. So if you've got any specific lineup questions, hit me up on Twitter for Livewire Sunday, and that's every two hours, every Sunday, two hours before kickoff, and I'll just sit on there and answer questions, line up, give you my thoughts. Every episode, I start off with a quick fantasy nugget or some advice, and heading into week seven. It's almost like opposite theory. Past couple games, weeks that I've I've had on some close ones and some losses, it's like, man, these players are doing the opposite. If I think player A is going to go off, I ought to bench him and put the one that I don't think is going to go off into a flex play or something else because then he does go off. So I don't. For what it's worth, sometimes you do the opposite theory. It's hit or miss, but it's almost getting to that point. It's a little too early for that, but it's it's here because of the season. But more, more importantly, I think it's like trade season here. It's week seven. I don't know where you're at in your fantasy league. If you're in the middle of the pack, if you're secure in you know, a winning record, if you're losing. I think if you're in the middle of the pack or you, if you got a losing record, it's time to make some trades, man. Lots of trades been going down. So you got to pick out some teams that look like a good trade partner for you for what you want and what they need. I typically will go to the league, scroll to the bottom, Find out who the worst teams are, look at their rosters, and say, hey, this you know Team B needs a wide receiver. I'm pretty good at wide receivers. I'm going to float him a wide receiver, see if I can grab one of his running backs or whatever the case. Shoot him an offer. If it doesn't work out, maybe respond with like a two-for-one. Make it fair for both sides. Um, don't go all in on you know just your side only. They're going to look at it and, and decline it pretty much every time. And just remember, too, like every time a a player or a you know fellow teammate declines your trade. It doesn't mean they hate it or they think it's shit. It may be a good one. Um, they don't always give you a reason, but just reach out and say, hey, I sent you that trade offer. What's up? And then just people ask me, I'll tell them, hey, I, I just don't think this player is going to make a difference for my team or I'm looking down the road and I don't like his games coming up, whatever the case. So that'd be my best advice for this week. And then Real quick take on some some news lately with Antonio Brown. Des Bryant's going to go to the Ravens. We've got Le'Veon Bell and KC. I think the best advice I can give on Antonio Brown, because he's all the rage right now for everybody's picked him up in fantasy pretty much. Who's going to get the guy number one? What team is he going to? If he's going to a team, let's say the Seahawks, right? They've been front runners right now. He's going to be third in the pecking order for the wide receiver rotation. So you've got Metcalf and Lockett, and then you slide Brown in there. I think if he went to Seattle, he'd be like a boomer bust type, you know, Will Fuller, Marquise Brown type play because one week he could have 
three catches, two touchdowns or something. He could go quiet, three catches, 50 yards. You don't know what he's going to do. It just depends. In Seattle, they'll get like David Moore involved. Obviously, he's better than David Moore probably. But it could be his week where he grabs a couple. It could be his week where he goes missing. So similar to Le'Veon Bell, he's not going to be the guy. He would play a secondary role. So I think there's still value. But playing him in your lineup each week, just be prepared, man. It's going to be boom or bust. Now, if he went to a team that could feature him as a one or a two, I like his fantasy outlook way better obviously but it all depends where he goes so keep keep that in mind just like Gronk remember Gronk when we found out he was going to Tampa Bay oh he's going to destroy he's going to destroy the league it's going to be Gronk he's not Gronk of old right he's had some good games he's had some bad games so similar to that right now for the moment that is my expectation that could change we'll have to see what happens there but right now let's jump over to the games for this weekend the Wire Watch Games, Week 7, these are three that I profile on Twitter that spark the most interest for me. So we're going to start with the Seattle Seahawks and the Cardinals. Seahawks, I'm starting everybody except Greg Olson. Um, Cardinal side of the ball, I'm looking at Chase Edmonds. Everybody kind of watched Kenyon Drake go off against the Cowboys. And, uh, and only six total touches, one catch. I think Chase's involvement picks up this week just because of the game flow against Seattle. The Seahawks are also among the league leaders in receptions allowed to running backs. Edmonds had 10 on 12 targets in two games prior to week six. So I'll, I'll plug him back in this week. D-Hop, we, I think he's got ankle concerns or something. He's been popping around and on the uh, injury reports. But he scored 11 points or fewer in two of his last three games. This is a good matchup for him against the league's worst pass defense. It just depends on the injury. We'll have to see what happens there. Uh, Kenyon Drake on the Cardinals side here. Seattle's allowed three rushing touchdowns this season, right? The Vikings are the only team to really have success on the ground against them. Um, They held Todd Gurley to 56, Ezekiel Elliott to 34 yards. So if Drake doesn't get in the end zone, I think it's a rough game for him. So consider him like a low-end starting option. I mean, you probably plug him in but he's like touchdown dependent in my opinion this week and then Christian Kirk finally he's come around a slow start for this season but 14.7 PPR points in the past three games with three touchdowns over that span I like that one next game up is Tampa Bay and Las Vegas Raiders Derek Carr he's been an above average play more times than not this season this week May not be one of those games for him, but uh, he scored 20-plus points in three of the past four. Tampa Bay has held four of their past five to 11 fantasy points or fewer. So I, we didn't think he was going to go off against the Chiefs, and he did. This could be a similar style game. Maybe he does go off. Maybe he doesn't. I think it's a start with caution. If it's a super flex league, I like him. Josh Jacobs, you probably don't bench him, uh, but the matchup against the, the best run defense in Tampa Bay is probably going to keep his production down unless this is a week where he really gets featured in the pass game, which would be nice. And then Henry Ruggs, the last time we saw him, he put up 118 and a touchdown in a win over that uh, Kansas City team. And he did that on three targets. He's talented. He's averaged pretty much, what, three to four targets a game this season. So I think Ruggs has got to hit on something big to get an impact for you in the fantasy stat column. 
I don't know how much I like them against the Bucks. They've allowed the ninth fewest points to wideouts. They haven't allowed a catch of more than 47 yards to the position this season. So that's a tough task for Ruggs. And then Gronk, Travis Kelsey exploded for 24 points against the Raiders in that game, right? And if you take that out from the Vegas stats, suddenly they haven't allowed an opposing TE tight end to surpass 16 receiving yards in a single game. So say what you want about the Raiders, but they're pretty stout against the tight end. Ronald Jones, he looked good against the Packers, rallied off three consecutive 100-plus yard outings. I think he's pretty much the lead back in Tampa Bay. I don't know how Fournette shakes out into that when he comes back, but we'll see. The volume is there for this guy. He's averaged nearly 24 touches per game since week four. The Raiders allow the second most points to running backs this year, including eight total touchdowns to the running back position over a five-game span. And then you got Chris Godwin. He played three games this year, right? He's finished with a decent he finished with a decent one coming back from injury in week six. I think he should break out this week against the uh the Raiders' pass defense. Big AFC battle, Steelers and Titans, Ryan Tannehill. You're not going to bench him, shouldn't bench him, but temper expectations against the Steelers defense that has forced eight turnovers. And that leads, that well, no, it doesn't lead to second place in the NFL. Then you look at Derrick Henry. He's averaged 126 yards per game since week 14 in 2018. That is stat of the Day. Awesome. Anthony Fersker, is he going to go off? Johnny Smith, is he going to play? How banged up is he? I don't know what to think of Fersker this week. 100-plus receiving yards, 25 fantasy points. The problem is that his production comes when Johnny Smith is sidelined out of the game, what have you. So the ankle injury, they've said, is minor. If Smith doesn't suit up, I think he's worth a look. Um... Just there's no depth out there for tight ends, so you're kind of screwed. If you got him, you're going to play him, but it, it's totally dependent on Jonu Smith. Corey Davis, he's back off the COVID list. He's in a pretty interesting spot for me. I don't know if the Titans are going to run on Pittsburgh as hard. I mean, Derrick Henry's the man. He's a stud, right? Maybe he doesn't completely destroy the Steelers on the ground. It's hard to say. I think the Steelers are going to do whatever it takes to contain Henry and A.J. Brown. There's They've got to be the two points of focus for that defense. Does that leave Corey Davis to get all the attention and and make plays and and go off this week? Maybe. Hard to say. Big Ben, he's only scored 12 fantasy points in week six against Cleveland. But before that, he's had at least 22 in each of his first four games. So I think he gets back on track this week. The Titans struggle against the pass, the deep pass. Um, they like Gardner Minshew, Kirk Cousins, Deshaun Watson, each score at least three touchdowns. So you got to love Big Ben. Chase Claypool, he is the man. I don't know if uh, Juju's been passed up on the, you know, as the top target. We'll see. But man, they force it to Claypool, whether it's on the ground or in the air. And that rookie has topped 17 fantasy points in three of his last four. Titans allowed 21 plus points to two opposing wide receivers last week. So I love Claypool. And then Juju, I don't know. He hasn't seen more than five targets in in his last three games. If Deontay Johnson comes back, that means Juju is 
in an even more crowded wide receiver situation with uh, Washington, Claypool. I mean, where does it go, right? It, it's hard to say. I'm trying to keep an eye on Deontay Johnson. I think he practiced. Keep an eye on him up until kickoff, obviously, if he's going to play or not. You are looking live. The Packers and the Texans. Big bounce back game for the Pack. For Aaron Rodgers, I mean, I know he's pretty much a lock in your lineup if you've got him, but I've been hearing a lot of chatter about starting him again. I'm starting him this week. I've got him in one league, and look at the Texans. They've allowed 19-plus fantasy points to opposing quarterbacks in three of their past four, an average of 20 on the season. Even with his bad performance against the Bucks. I think, you know, look at Rodgers. He still averages 21 per game this season. So I, I still like Rodgers. He's fine. Aaron Jones, too. He struggled in week six, 1.5 yards a carry. That's pathetic. But this is a guy that's averaged 5.6 on the season prior to that game. So, I mean, they ran into a buzzsaw with the Bucks. The Texans have allowed a 100-plus yard rusher in three of the past four games. They gave up 212 to Derrick Henry a week ago, so I don't think Jones should have any issue getting on track here. Brandon Cooks and Will Fuller, they've each topped 15 fantasy points in back-to-back weeks. Every time you trust them, though, they, you know what happens, right? Cooks looked to be a dud last week until some late-game heroics, and then Fuller, he's Jekyll and Hyde all the time, boomer bust. So the Packers have allowed just one receiving touchdown to a wideout since week three. So it's going to take a big play for one of them to get in the end zone, in my opinion. Over the span, though, only one ride receiver has amassed more than 56 yards against them. So that, that's a tough task for these two, but... Even though this game might be a shootout, I think it's a big play type game. And then Darren Fells, the tight end position went from kind of deep, you know, but right now it's so shallow on fantasy. Oh, it's terrible. It's just one of the worst ever. There is just nobody out there, right? So if you're desperate, you got bye weeks, take a flyer on Fells. He had six catches for 85 and second straight week. Does he find Paydirt again? I don't know. It's hard to say. Does Is he going to get bumped here? I think once Aikens comes back and is healthy, maybe Fells dips. Until then, if if I'm in a pinch, I'm going to play him. You just you got to see what happens with the targets, the tight end targets mostly for Houston. I don't know where it's going. Bill O'Brien leaves. Things are looking a little better as far as the pass game. We'll see how it plays out. And then David Johnson, I think he was fine against the Titans. Um, he should be more involved. In this game against the Packers, I think more out of the backfield and more in the red zone. So we'll see how that plays out. Bears, Rams, Monday night. Jared Goff has now scored below 15 fantasy points in half of his games this season. He's completed more than 23 passes one time, and he's thrown a pick in all but two games. The Bears, tough, tough defense. They allow the second fewest fantasy points to QBs including no more than 14 to the position since week one. Fade Goff, Darrell Henderson, pretty much. Is this guy the, the clear-cut running back one? I think so, right? Got to say it as of now. But I've got him in two leagues. I dropped him in another. But what has he really gotten you for fantasy, right? I mean, he's like boomer bust too. Fringe start, he's, he's scored under double-digit fantasy points in two of his last three. It It's a messy backfield. I don't... I really don't want any part of it, but in a deep league, you're li- you're pretty limited on, on running backs and tight ends overall. So, David Montgomery, past three games since Tariq Cohen went out, 
Montgomery is averaging 13 fantasy points per game. He's got 14 catches on 19 targets. I like that. He had 23 total touches in Week 6 at Carolina. Now, the Rams haven't allowed a running back to score since Week 2, but they've given up at least five catches to running back groups in five of six games this year. So I think the catches are key for David Montgomery this week. He should be okay. I love him in, in a PPR league, something like that. Um, he should be okay. Tyler Higby back on the Rams side. So the guy receives 11-plus targets in the final four games of last season, right? Now he has yet to see more than five passes come his way in any game. What is going on here? Aside from his three-touchdown outlier big game you know, showing in Week 2, he's averaging six fantasy points in 2020. So the matchup in Chicago isn't good for him. But the floor, to me, is, is not even worth the play for Higby. You are looking live. The NFC least, the Giants, the Eagles. Ugh, what, I, don't even, I don't even want to look at this game. <laughs> I wanted to get into this game for DFS purposes, but I just couldn't do it. Evan Ingram, five total targets over his past two. He's awful. If the targets don't go up against the Eagles, I'm done with this guy. Philly allows the fourth most fantasy points to tight ends this year, including five total touchdowns. Outrageous. 183-yard outing to Kittle. I know it's Kittle, and he's a stud, but come on, man. If Engram can't get it going this week, he's done. You, you would have to cut him, right? You have to cut him. Screw you! You're fired! Exactly. Carson Wentz averaged 206 passing yards per game since week two. The Giants have, a lim- have limited... Opposing quarterbacks to an average of just 184 per game. So they're, say what you want on defense, they're, they're decent. Um, that's four out of their last five. And now you've got Wentz without Miles Sanders and Zach Ertz. So I don't really like Wentz this week. Um, without Miles Sanders, you're looking at Boston Scott, Corey Clement. Boston Scott should probably lead the backfield. Corey Clement would be sprinkled in. Scott's pretty much disappointed in his lone start, right, earlier this season. He's got upside for PPR, but that's about it. Travis Fulgham seems like it's Wentz's new target without Zach Ertz for three to four weeks. You'd think he's even going to step up more. I don't know if Deshaun Jackson comes back this week, Alshon Jeffrey. Got to keep on that. Keep an eye on that over the weekend. Um, but opposing wideouts to receive 10-plus targets against Fulgham's opponents this week, the Giants, They've averaged a healthy 14 per game. So I'll take Fulgham. And then going back to Alshon Jeffrey and DJX. Looks like Fulgham's the top guy. We don't know what's going to happen until they come back. If you've got the room on your fantasy roster, I'd probably keep Jackson or Jeffrey just to see what happens. There's going to be passing volume to be had. It's just we got to get everybody back on the same page mm-hmm. and playing and see where it, how it shakes out. The Lions and the Falcons, Matty Ryan. So Julio and Ridley back to full strength, I hope, right? They they look the part. He put up 32 points and finished as the week's quarterback too. So the Lions give up an average of 20 per game with only one opponent failing to reach at least 18 fantasy points. I love Matt Ryan this week. Matt Stafford on the other side. You're looking at waiver ads for QBs this week. I'd plug Stafford in there. You can't go wrong with the matchup against the second-worst ranked pass defense in football. Falcons have allowed an average of 25 fantasy points to quarterbacks since week four. 
DeAndre Swift, the Falcons allow the second most receptions to running backs on the year. So that plays out perfectly for Swift. Kenny G, since he returned to Detroit's lineup, thank God, uh, in week three, he's either topped 100 yards receiving or scored a touchdown. So in week seven, I'm looking for him to make a huge game. Atlanta's allowed four 100-yard receiving outings since week two, eight 92-plus yard outings all season. They've allowed six TDs to the position over the past four games, so fire up Kenny Galladay. TJ Hawkinson, he's averaged 11 fantasy points on the year, totaling 53-plus receiving yards and or a touchdown, receiving touchdown in every game this season. So I do like Hawkinson. He's been quietly a really solid, solid tight end. And then Hayden Hurst, he racked up 15 last week, finally came around. But that's only his second double-digit performance of the season. We He's also put up single-digit stinkers, right? Multiple times. So if you look at Detroit, they are allowing the second-fewest fantasy points to tight ends this year. No opponent has topped 25 receiving yards against them at the tight end spot. So while you're coming off your high of Hayden Hurst, I think he's going to disappoint this week. You are looking live. The battle for Ohio Part 2. Prior game, Cleveland 35, Cincinnati 30. It's going to be a, probably another similar game. I think the Bengals could pull it out. Baker Mayfield, he went bad last week. Terrible. 10 of 18, 119. Two picks before they yanked him. I think he's back on the field this week against the Bengals. I, I really don't like him against the Bengals either. He's banged up. I think that rib injury is bad. They're not letting on to as bad as it is. And Cincinnati's allowed the 10th fewest points to quarterbacks. Austin Hooper, since week four, he is the tight end eight on a per-game basis. It's only two games, but over that span, he's received a healthy 23 targets. So that's encouraging. It's good to see. Three opposing tight ends have seen at least eight targets come their way against the Bengals this year. Since he's also allowed a receiving touchdown in each of the past two weeks to the tight end position. So I'll I'll take a chance with Hooper. I'll, I'll fire him up. Burrow, I love Burrow. He's grinded out. To put up big numbers this year. I thought he's looked real good. A couple stinkers against the Ravens and so on. But he threw down on the Browns in week two. So to me, 300 yards, a couple touchdowns. I think he could get that done this week. T. Higgins is breaking out like crazy for Cincinnati. Is he the best outside receiver they have? I think so. I think he can keep it going. That combination of Higgins and Boyd. Boyd has scored at least 12 fantasy points in three of his past four. And that was includes when he had 20 in week two at Cleveland with seven catches, 72 yards, and a TD, eight targets. So he's looking really good. I, f- I fire them up for sure in this game here. Carolina and New Orleans, NFC South Divisional. Teddy B, he struggled against the Bears. Pretty much what you thought, right? The Bears are tough defense on quarterbacks. Eight fantasy points. He averaged 27 in two games in a row prior to week six. So I think a 20-point outing against the Saints, who have allowed every opposing quarterback this season to score at least three, I think Teddy's okay. Robbie Anderson, he had a down game two against Chicago, four catches for 77, five targets. It's only the second time this season he's failed to get at least eight targets. So he has still managed 11 fantasy points. I, I expect him to get back to his average, back to his norm, um, against the Saints here, maybe it's 14 to 17, something like that, 14 to 18 fantasy points this week. 
Panthers should be chasing points on the road, and I think Anderson DJ Moore should be considered wide receiver twos in fantasy as well this week. Both of them, they should all be involved. Michael Thomas, he was targeted on a nearly third of Saints pass attempts last season, right? Is he going to get back to the Michael Thomas we all know and love? There's still a hamstring injury I've seen today, so I don't. will he play this week? That's another one you're going to have to check up until kickoff, see what happens on the injury wire. Um, if he returns, maybe it's the end of Sanders and Traquan Smith as fantasy options, but until he does, you got to use Sanders and Smith, keep him rolling. I thought um, Emmanuel Sanders, he had a huge game before the Saints bye week. 12 catches, 122 yards, and a win over that uh, Charger team. It just depends on Thomas. Is he coming back? When's he coming back? Is he going to be fully healthy? So keep an eye on him. I keep him on your roster. I wouldn't dump him yet. Jared Cook, the defense has been tough on pass catchers, allowing two touchdowns and 10 fantasy points per game. So that unit has held Jimmy Graham, Hayden Hurst, and Gronk all under nine fantasy points. Jared Cook looking like a single-digit type game. You are looking live. The AFC East, Bills and Jets. Now I'm going to really talk about the Jets. There's really, like, if you look at the Jets, it's two guys uh, that can make that make noise. Jamison Crowder, he's the only receiver in football with double-digit targets every game he's played. It's a mu- He's a must-start option. I've got him in two leagues, and I lock him in because at least the targets and the volume are there. And then Frank Gore, Without Bell in the mix, if Gore is getting 15 touches or more, I think he's a flex play. If they split the backfield, if it's a committee, take it for what it is. But going back to the Bills side, you got Josh Allen. So from week one to four, he was QB three with an average of 30 points. Since then, he's pretty much a QB 12, averaging 17 fantasy points since week five. So I think he gets back in it with the Jets. Everybody loves a rebound. It's a New York team that's allowed an average of 22 points and a total of five touchdowns to opposing quarterbacks over the past two weeks. So Allen lit them up in week one. If you go back to that game, three touchdowns and 28 fantasy points. I think it's a another call up from that. Devin Singletary, he scored under, under double digit points in three of his past five. If he doesn't put up points against the Jets, I'm done. I'm, I'm going to say... I'm almost going to kiss any future expectation being positive of Singletary out the window because that's it. You got to be. You got to do it. Good teams have got to take care of the bad teams, and when you see a good team not handle a bad team, something's up. That's not good. So, opposing starting running backs have averaged 22 touches per game against this Jets team over the past three. There's no reason Singletary can't get it done. Zach Moss. Same deal. I think it's going to be him at the goal line. We should see him get involved plenty in this game. And between the both of them, if they both can't have a productive game, I think I'm going to be a little hesitant on future fantasy plays with these guys. You are looking live. Cowboys and woofed the Washington football team. Washington team is pretty bad. The only, couple players on their side, J.D. McKissick, he's a PPR machine, right? Six catches in his last three games, 40-plus yards in each of them. you got to plug him in if you're in a deep league, PPR. And then Logan Thomas, he's pretty much their most targeted pass catcher with 36 on the season, and that's behind Terry McLaurin. It, I mean, 
Dallas has allowed double-digit outings to tight ends in four of their last six games. So you've got to plug in Thomas. Hopefully he can get in the end zone too. Um, but overall, look at the Cowboys team. They're they're one of the worst allowing the most points overall in, in just the NFL alone. So I like Thomas on that side. Andy Dalton, I added, I literally added him and I was not panicking on one game, right? Because I said, hey, the guy hasn't played a full game. He's got to get his reps in. He's got to get, you know, take some football hits, get some action, give him a two games and, you know, he's a vet. He should be all right. The most added and then dropped player in in fantasy this week, right? Without a doubt. That Monday night performance was terrible. Couldn't watch it. And with that said, Washington has allowed 25 fantasy points to opposing quarterbacks in three of their last five. So does Andy Dalton air it out 50 plus times again? Probably not. But on the average, if a quarterback has averaged 20 to 23 points against Washington since week three, you could plug them in and take a, take a risk. If you're in a deep league and you've got no options at quarterback, bye weeks are killing you, you could roll the dice with Dalton. This would be the week to do it. Michael Gallup, too. The, what's happened to Gallup? So he was targeted six times on Monday, fourth on the team. 34 targets this season, ranks fifth most among Cowboys skill players. Washington hasn't allowed a leading wideout to eclipse 86 yards all season. How, I don't know. <laughs> let alone the fourth or fifth option in somebody's past game. So Gallup, he's he's staying on the bench this week. Dalton Schultz, I think there's a decent connection there with Andy Dalton and Schultz, but Washington is giving up more and more to that tight end position, it seems, of late. So Dalton, I think, is okay to, to take a play here. <laughs> yes, yes, he, he'll be fine. You are looking live. Jags, Chargers... I'm really liking the Chargers. I know they've only won a game, but I like this team. I like Herbert. Justin Jackson on the Chargers side. So everybody thought it was Josh Kelly. Nope, it's Justin Jackson. <laughs> I think he is pretty much the RB1 until Eckler comes back. So opposing lead running backs have averaged 135 yards against the Jags since week four. None have totaled under 100 yards. So I'm firing up Jackson without a doubt. But check his injury status. I think there was like a leg bruise. He had. Some, I saw something earlier this morning on the, on the injury wire. Hunter Henry, he's put up double-digit points and seen at least seven targets come his way in all but one game this year. The Jags allow the eighth-most points to opposing tight ends. I love him. Mike Williams, I think he's your number one receiver if Keenan Allen is out. Now, all signs are, are pointing that he's going to play. Um, for the most part, I think he's going to play with a bad back, but he could exit early. You never know. But Williams is a is a nice play there. He stepped up against the Saints when Allen got hurt. He had five catches for 109, two touchdowns, eight targets. I mean, he looked good. Keelan Cole back on the Jags side. He kind of, you know, he's like your Travis Fulgham for the Jaguars, right? I think, you know, if you look at Chenault, DJ Shark, who's banged up, James Robinson, that's really the offense, right? Cole is currently the number 23 wide receiver in PPR points, and he's actually ahead of DJ Moore, Devontae Parker, and Odell. So I think there's enough pass volume in Jacksonville for, for you know, Shark, Chanel, and Cole to be the big three there. So I think he's okay. And then Gardner Minshew, 
earlier this week, I, I want to say Doug Marone, he was saying something that he would consider benching Minshew if the team keeps struggling. So he's thrown a pick in four of his past five games coming into week seven. So the potential of that happening, could it could go down, right? The Chargers, if they get Melvin Ingram back here from a knee injury, I would be a little worried starting Gardner Minshew. So keep your eye out there. You are looking live. AFC West battle, Chiefs and Broncos. Obviously, you're going to fire up damn near everybody for the Chiefs, but look at Demarcus Robinson. First game without Sammy Watkins in week six. He stepped up five catches, 69 yards on six targets. So is it Robinson again or is it Hardman? I'm telling you right now, I don't trust Hardman whatsoever. Every time I get this guy, I plug him in, doesn't do a thing. Leave him on my bench, he goes off every single time. I dropped him in two leagues. Maybe I'm an idiot, but um, I'd rather go with Robinson this week. I think against Denver, He's on my radar way more than Hardman. And if you need a wide receiver three, PPR league, deep league, flex play, something, I, I'd start him in there. I'm, I'm not worried about it. Le'Veon Bell, his ability as a receiver, he's going to carve out a nice role with Casey. Now, is he going to take over the lead duties? Everybody keeps saying no, but it's hard to say. I mean, it's a good one-two punch with Edwards, Larry, and Bell together. So I think they're, they're a little mini committee back there. I don't know if Bell carries the whole load for that run game. They're going to split it up. So Bell's maybe a third down back, something like that, until he gets going. Maybe Andy Reid rides the hot hand, could go off on a couple games and then be quiet. So I just need to see it play. I don't own either of those guys in any fantasy league, but I'd be interested to see how it plays out. Give it a couple games and see how it shakes down before you make a decision on, you know, making them an every week starter or what you're going to do there. Flex play for me with Bell until proven otherwise. And then Hard, going back to Hardman, everybody's thinking was Sammy Watkins, if he's out, it's going to be Hardman, right? That's what everybody, that's like the go-to train of thought for this team. But then he sees one target. And I mean, like I said, boom, boom or bust. So Hardman, I don't even want a piece of. Drew Locke, he comes back from a two-game absence with the shoulder injury. And struggled with three fantasy points. I don't know how he does in week seven against KC. He's got to be slinging it. He's going to have to sling it to keep up with him. I'm interested in this game, but I'm trying to look ahead to like week eight when he's got the Chargers, the Falcons. I think the matchups are a little better for him. I think he's a stash on your fantasy squad if you've got quarterback concerns, problems, you don't have anybody, whatever the case. No more than that, though. And then Jerry Judy, the Broncos offense, Jerry Judy, he's hauled in more than four receptions just once this season, and he looks to be behind Tim Patrick and Noah Fant when everybody's healthy in terms of volume. So the Chiefs allow the fifth fewest points to the position, and only two wideouts have exceeded three receptions against them since week three. So Judy, I think he's a boomer bust this week. And then Tim Patrick, so you think Judy would take over, right, as the Broncos one or two since uh, Sutton was out. But Tim Patrick is the guy that keeps scoring all the points. So 15 targets to Judy's nine in the Broncos' past two games. He's been better all around. So the Broncos, I think they chase points this week against KC. And Tim Patrick, I think he's a solid number three. Philip Lindsay, I think Gordon, if Gordon's playing, he's going to get the majority of touches, obviously, and the work in the passing game. But I think Philip Lindsay can still be a flex 
Only two running backs have scored against the Chiefs this season, though. I don't want to trust Lindsey if I've got to go with him solely. And Gordon, same same deal. you got to keep an eye on, on each of them. You are looking live. The 49ers and the Patriots. Jimmy Garoppolo. He looked good against the Rams. Three touchdowns. Top nine finish. Look at the New England Patriots. They allow just 198 passing yards at home this season. And that was a matchup against Russell Wilson and a matchup against Patrick Mahomes. So I don't know about Jimmy G. And then the Niners running back committee. You've got Mostert. I think he's headed for IR. you got Jet McKinnon up, up at bat. Or at least, I mean, you'd think it's him. You don't know what this Niners backfield. It could be McKinnon. could be Hasty. Week to week, it's a new guy. So the Patriots allow the fourth fewest points to the running back position. There's always a chance that Jeff Wilson comes out of nowhere. What if it's Jeff Wilson and Vultures, you know, a couple touchdowns away from McKinnon or Hasty? Who knows? Take your chances. It's a complete roll of the dice. Flip a coin with the Niners backfield. Damian Harris on the Patriots side. The 49ers are banged up defensively, They allow the, but they allow the second-fewest fantasy points to running backs this season. No opposing back has found the end zone against the Niners since week one. So I think outside of Harris, they're going to funnel it through James White again, who's been an awesome PPR stud. The two games, KC and Denver, 15 catches, 103 yards, 17 targets. He's going to contribute. He's going to be a valuable weapon for Cam Newton this week, and he doesn't have a touchdown this season. Maybe this is the week he gets one, but he's definitely worth a start in any kind of PPR league or at least a flex um, if you look at how involved he is in that New England offense. Julian Edelman, this guy, six fantasy points or fewer in three straight games. I mean, if if, it, if he wasn't named Julian Edelman, he'd, he'd be dropped in a heartbeat, right? I'm I'm hanging on to him in one league. I don't know why. There's just really nobody out there to pick up. It's pretty uh, thin. It's a deep league, but maybe he comes back around. I don't know. The Niners allow the ninth fewest fantasy points to wideouts this year. They've allowed two receivers to get past 59 receiving yards against them since week one. So I think it's another down week for Julian Edelman. So that'll wrap up this week's NFL slate preview quick cast pod. So good luck to everybody in the fantasy matchups. Tag the players that go the opposite for you. Hashtag it because fantasy so we can have a laugh or cry over it. Because you can only chalk it up to the fantasy gods. That's all you can do. And it's week seven. Again, good luck. See how it turns out. I'll talk to you all on Twitter. Yeah, all right. This press conference is over. Go away. No, it's over, pal. It's over.